Broadcasting live from the Zimmer Communications World Headquarters. Great news for the American people. This is Wake Up Mid-Missouri with Brandon Rathert. Featuring Stephanie Bell, News Director Brian Houseworth, John Marsh, and Hannah the Producer. This is why we listen to you. Get ready, pal. And now, here's your host, Brandon Rathert. This is another example of the Democrats never letting a crisis go to waste. This has nothing to do with crime. This has nothing to do with mass shootings. This has to do with the radical left wanting to come after the Second Amendment and wanting to come after law-abiding Americans' gun rights. And if you talk to any police officer, any, any violent crime prosecutor anywhere in the country, they'll tell you that a vast majority of violent crime uh, takes place either with, with stolen firearms or with firearms that are already unlawfully owned. So the idea that more laws are what's needed or a, a you know di- different enforcement of, of uh, you know federal spending prerogatives, it's just garbage. And this is just another attempt by the radical left to come after Americans' guns. That is Will Scharf, a, uh, a former federal prosecutor, former very recently federal prosecutor on Newsmax after Democrats call for, oh, gun control, automatic weapons as a federal prosecutor. He kind of knows what he's talking about. He's coming out and saying, this is BS. Those weren't his exact words, but that's what he's saying there. And it's uh, it's interesting. So Stephanie says Governor Mike Parson should be in the Guinness Book of World Records for the number of appointments that he has made Yes, during his term in office most recently. Mr. Bailey for Attorney General. Will Scharf, uh, who Stephanie and I actually hung out with the guy earlier this year. Had a real nice lunch. Um, he says he's going to run for office. Now, he's not saying what office. And you can hear the talk or whatever. You float around the Capitol. And, well, maybe he's going to run for uh, uh, Attorney General. Want to bring Will Scharf onto the show now. Will, let's start here. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. It's uh, it's really great to be with you guys. I've, I've been a, a longtime fan of the shows. And uh, it's a great way to great way to start our, our Thursday morning here. Um, so as you oh, said, me, hold up, another first question: Are we is Wake Up Mid Missouri on ninety three nine The Eagle and one zero four five News Radio nine fifty KWOS? Is this your first radio interview since you officially announced that you are running for a statewide office? Uh, yeah, I mean, we went live at about four p.m. yesterday. The response has been overwhelming, and and this is uh, this is this is my first radio hit. So it's it's really great to be with you guys, and uh, no time like the present. So. Amen. So tell us about yourself, Will. Yeah, well, as you said, you know, I was a federal prosecutor until a week ago. It's it's a little weird to be hearing myself called a, a former federal prosecutor. I I was in the the violent crime unit uh, in in the U.S. Attorney's Office in St. Louis. Uh, we prosecuted, um, you know, crimes like like robberies, bank robberies, carjackings, uh, a lot of gun cases, felons in possession of firearms. Really trying to tamp down uh, the violent crime problem that we have in uh, in our big cities, uh, St. Louis and Kansas City, especially. Um, before that, as as I think you guys know, I've been kind of in and out of politics for a long time. Uh, I worked on two Supreme Court confirmations. Uh, first, uh, the, the Brett Kavanaugh confirmation when, you know, the woke left tried to destroy uh, an innocent man and a good man. And I was I was really proud to be part of the team that stood up to defend him. Um, and then I, I worked on Justice Barrett's confirmation, uh, which was a, a, a weird one. It was right at the height of, of covid. Um, but uh, but we got it done in record time. And it was it was great to see her on the court. And it was great to see both of them. Uh, vote the right way, you know, in the last year and a half on on important decisions 
uh, like Dobbs, yeah. uh, the the opinion that overturned Roe versus Wade, uh, and Bruin, a, a really important, uh, really important Second Amendment case. Uh, before that, I was uh, I was policy director in the Missouri governor's office. Uh, worked on a, a for, wide range for of which issues. governor? It was for Governor Eric Reitens. Right. Uh, do you think his, that's uh, going to be? Do you think that's going to be heavy baggage uh, um, for you? That the, the, the tie to Eric Reitens? Um, you know, look, I'm very grateful to to uh, to Governor Greitens for giving me an opportunity to serve the people of Missouri, and I'm I'm proud of of what we were able to accomplish uh, during our year and a half in office. Uh, you know, we passed important legislation to uh, uh, to outlaw abortion sanctuary cities. Uh, we cut taxes. Um, we passed important tort reform. We passed important labor reform laws. Uh, I looking at at, uh, at what we achieved in that year and a half. I think that conservatives in Missouri uh, know that from a policy perspective, uh, it was a it was a successful time. So, um, if people want to uh, you know hold up my record from that from that year and a half, I'm I'm happy to defend it. Agreed, Will. Uh, so I, no, I agree. Uh, yeah, on the policy aspect, I, I agree with you uh, on uh, on that. So you announced yesterday first radio interview in Missouri here on Wake <laughs> Up Mid Missouri, uh, but you said you're running for office, but you're not saying which office. Uh, how come? Yeah. So uh, we're, we yesterday we announced um, a, a candidate committee for for statewide office. Uh, I expect that we'll we'll formally we'll formally announce in January uh, for a, for a particular office. Uh, a lot of folks have been encouraging me um, to, to look at the attorney general's race. And I think given my, my background and experience, uh, that, would be, uh, that would be somewhat natural. Um, for now, though, I'm focused on, on getting out there, uh, on talking to Missourians, on talking to conservative activists, uh, and really just, uh, just getting my sea legs back. You know, I've been out of politics for the last two and a half years, and uh, I'm just excited to get, to get back in the arena and hopefully get you know, good conservative stuff done. Now, you had a Twitter thread kind of go viral uh, when you left, uh, shortly after you left the uh, U.S. Attorney's Office um, on crime and policing. Can you bottom line that for us? Yeah, you know, when I left the U.S. Attorney's Office, we have a saying, in, in, in we had a saying in the U.S. Attorney's Office that we do our talking in court. Uh, you know, we're not in the business of going out and trying to generate press headlines about the, you know, the really important cases that we're bringing. We do our talking in court. Uh, but when I left the office, and that that wasn't you know my rule anymore, uh, I really just wanted to express uh, how troubling a lot of the things that I'd seen in in my my day to day work uh, had been. Um, so I talked a lot about the dangers that that police officers, particularly in our big cities, but really everywhere, uh, face on a day to day basis. And you think about you know the proverbial chasing a bad guy down a dark alley or. Uh, you know, out in mid-Missouri, you think about a highway patrol officer uh, uh, approaching a traffic stop late at night. I mean, these are really, really dangerous situations. And I think uh, most people, most Missourians uh, don't don't appreciate that probably as, as much as we all should. All right. Uh, and then, you know, the, the fentanyl epidemic. Uh, last year in America, we had over 100 overdose deaths. A big majority of that's driven by, by the opioid crisis and by fentanyl. Um, I mean, this stuff is everywhere. It's really dangerous, uh, and I think that until we get, you know, our border con- our border under control, our ports of entry under control, uh, until we've we've locked this problem down, more Americans are going to die. So I, I touched on a bunch of issues in that thread. It did go viral. 
Um, but, uh, but really the key thing for me is just appreciation for law enforcement, appreciation of the job they do. And you bring a, an interest, you bring a very unique and a very solid perspective, uh, considering your time as a, uh, a federal prosecutor. Our guest here on Wake Up Mid-Missouri, Will Sharp, former federal prosecutor, announcing, not saying which office, but announcing that he is going to be running for a statewide office in 2024. Well, Will, talk to us a little bit about your work with the Justice Department, the confirmation of Amy Coney Barrett to the high court. Yeah, so it was pretty crazy. I'd actually moved back uh, to St. Louis at that point, and I'd, I'd started my work in, in the violent crime unit here. Um, and then uh, I got a call from, uh, from, from Maine Justice, from headquarters, uh, right, after, uh, right after Justice Ginsburg died. Um, saying basically they were putting the team together based on my, my past experience with the Kavanaugh confirmation and with other federal judicial confirmations. Uh, they wanted me, they wanted me back. Uh, so I, you know, I, I flew out there. Um, I was, uh, I was actually in the room for her or in the room right behind her, uh, as she, uh, as she finished up her, uh, her, her Senate Judiciary Committee hearing. Um, but the key thing there was, uh, was preventing what had happened with Kavanaugh, where uh, there were completely unfounded accusations uh, thrown at Justice Kavanaugh, um, stuff just coming out of the woodwork at the end, and it was it was a political hit. It was a dirty hit, and I've known Justice Barrett for years. For me, it was just an an honor to help prevent that same kind of feeding frenzy uh, with her that we'd seen two years earlier, and, and fortunately, we were successful. Um, Will, we appreciate you joining us live here on the uh, the program, and I remember seeing you at the governor's office uh, when you were, you were in the governor's office, and and I definitely read the thread. I, I definitely want to follow up on the fentanyl um, point that you made on your thread, because this, I think, is very important information. You write this in your thread that uh, you just mentioned to Brandon. You say that fentanyl is killing far more people even that is, than what is being reported. There is no heroin left in St. Louis. It's all fentanyl. It's all deadly. And dealers are regularly lacing cocaine and all other drugs with the stuff. We need to close the border, comma, and we need to confront China, end of quote. Can you elaborate on that, especially about the, the dealers lacing the, the, the drugs? Yeah, so what we've seen uh, constantly, and, you know, if you, if this is not a secret if you talk to just about any police officer, um, there are really, I don't think I saw a single heroin case in, in my time in the U.S. Attorney's Office. It's all fentanyl. Whatever you think you're getting, uh, you're actually just getting fentanyl. And one of the real drivers of, of these overdose deaths is uh, some dealers, if they have, you know, a, a weak batch of cocaine or a weak batch of another drug, uh, they'll just throw in a little bit of fentanyl so that, you know, the people they're selling to get a, you know, get a kick out of it and think they're getting better product. And given how deadly and strong fentanyl is, that's just so incredibly dangerous. So you have people who, you know, may not even think they're they're taking an opioid uh, who suddenly get hit with this just incredibly powerful drug. Um, and, you know, uh, seven years ago, there were half as many overdose deaths in America as there are today. Uh, in that time, you know, we've introduced Narcan, we've introduced opio- opioid antagonists. Treatment options are, you know, orders of magnitude better than they used to be. And yet year on year on year, more Americans are dying of this stuff. And uh, it, it's, it's a tragedy. It's a human tragedy. Uh, until, we, until we get the border under control, until we confront China on this, 
And until we just develop a, a much better way of looking at this issue, uh, more Americans are going to die. Uh, making headlines this week was the execution of Kevin Johnson, who uh, killed a police officer in 2005. Uh, statewide Republicans have taken some heat this week um, over allowing that to go forward, over not allowing the daughter, uh, or, you know, I guess the courts didn't allow the daughter to observe. Uh, do you think Missouri did the right thing this week? Uh, look, you know, the death penalty is obviously the ultimate punishment, and it's it's uh, that's an issue that um, draws strong emotions on both sides. Uh I'll say this: I, I I don't believe in in you know in mercy for people who who uh, target and kill police officers. Uh, I think that that police officers, as I said before, do an incredibly dangerous job. They're out there protecting all of us, uh, and it's it's one of the worst crimes imaginable is to is to target and kill a police officer. All right, so Will Sharp. Yeah, thank you. I don't mean to cut you off. We're running out of time. Will Sharp, former federal prosecutor, announcing yesterday he's running for a statewide office, twenty twenty four. First radio interview here on ninety three nine the Eagle one zero four five News Radio uh, nine fifty KWS. And I want to tell you several several things that Mister Sharp said, and this is why these things matter. We talk about the president. These statewide, these local things matter. You talk about uh, illegal guns. We had a, a double homicide in Jefferson City. It was a guy in illegal possession of a firearm. Last we heard from at least one local law enforcement agency as it relates to fentanyl. Twenty-five. And this was a couple of months ago. Twenty-five people in Colombia that we were aware of. 25 had died of fentanyl overdoses, mostly younger people. That's why this stuff matters. We can bitch about the border, but the reality is kids are dying here in mid-Missouri. We've also uh, reached out to Boone County Sheriff Dwayne Carey, working on uh, getting in touch with Mr. Wheeler in Cole County to find out the latest number of people that have died because of this stuff that has come across the border. Meanwhile, PolitiFact, uh, they did a fact check. The border is secure. The fentanyl comes, they don't come through at the crossing. Uh, I talked to PolitiFact yesterday via email email because they're saying what's the biggest lie of the year and i said the biggest lie of the year is alejandro mayorkos and anybody in the white house who says the border is secure they they, they are lying the checkpoints the checkpoints kind of secure the border is not secure and i get upset with uh politifact when they say the border is secure on a fact check final question mr uh will you and i and stephanie when we were hanging out statewide lincoln days uh we talked about a wide variety of topics but i want to ask you do you remember where we had lunch? Uh, I think it was at uh, Napoli 3 in St. Wow. Charles. I could be wrong, oh. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> Very good. Uh, Mr. Will Scharf, uh, running for an office in 2024. A lot of other things uh, we could uh, ask you, because I, I but, but we're running out of time. Mr. Scharf, thank you for your time here on Wake Up Mid-Missouri this morning. Thanks so much for having me. Really great to be with y'all. All right. We appreciate you, man. Coming up, we're going to do What's Hot with Anna. What's smoking today? We're talking Christmas cards and whether or not people still send them. Oh, yeah. Chris, oh, yeah. They still make those? They do. This is Wake Up Mid-Missouri featuring Brandon Rathert. Good morning, 725-ish, which means it's 
It's almost 728. Time for What's Hot with Hannah. I did something this year that I've never really done before for Christmas. Kind of, sort of. I sent out what I would consider almost a Christmas card. The save the dates for our wedding we timed so that it would go out around the holidays so we could call it our Christmas card. Thank you. Killing two birds. Yeah. <laughs> Killing two birds with one stone, uh, right? That's smart. Yeah. And I just wondered, I know Brandon, you hate getting Christmas cards. I last I, year I love getting Christmas cards. Last year <laughs> I watched you throw a Christmas card in the garbage can. But I read it first. Yes. What else am I supposed to do with it? The person who gave it to you had literally just walked away. And you like peeked around the corner to make sure they were gone and tossed it. But I wanted to know if people still send Christmas cards. Is that still a thing that people do often? Great question. I posted it on the Wake Up Facebook page, and I was surprised at how many people said they do still send Christmas cards. My favorite is the letter. If you if you're if you have a family that like writes out a letter of Chris's mother does this. Well, why are you laughing? Yeah, what's the face you're making? I, until you said Chris's mom, I was going to compare it to the likes of a gender reveal party, but I won't do that now that it's one of your relatives. But I'm always <laughs> interested to see what she thinks the highlight of my year is and what it says about me, right? Um, so I love it. And I have friends who send one out. I also have some political friends who are in the older vein and just have ripped on. It's like a very political Christmas letter, which I also very much enjoy. Uh, please, that is what's hot with Hannah. Go to the Facebook page. Man, a lot of really interesting comments on there. You can see what your neighbors here in Midmo are saying. Coming up, Vlad Sarzan. He is from Ukraine. Right now, he is here in mid-Missouri going to school. I hope you'll hear our conversation with him next. His take on what's happening with Everything has been done uh, by, with, and through uh, members of Congress, again, from both parties, and we've uh, appreciated all that support. That's John Kirby, National Security Council Strategic Communication. He's with the NSA. Uh, U.S. sending more support to Ukraine, including another $50 million to help mitigate the effects of Russia's attacks on civilian infrastructure and on civilians uh, themselves. That's getting us into uh, the show this morning here on Wake Up Mid-Missouri. I am Brandon Rather, joined by Stephanie Bell, Brian Hounsworth, John Marsh, producer Hannah. And we've brought into the uh, show this morning uh, a young man who lives in Ukraine and about a year ago came here to mid-Missouri. He's going to go to Mizzou for uh, for a semester. That was January. We look at the timeline, chronological line of events. Uh, Russia invades in February. Vlad, our guest, Vlad Sajan is his name, was supposed to go back to Ukraine in May. Obviously, not a good idea. Vlad Sajan joining us right now here on Wake Up Mid-Missouri. I want to welcome you into the show, and thank you so much. I want to ask, where did you come to study? Uh, sorry, could you repeat? What What did you come to Mizzou to study? Oh, I'm studying aerospace engineering. Aerospace engineering. That's pretty impressive. Uh, so when you came here, we kind of knew this was a potential, that, that this could happen, that Russia would invade Ukraine. 
And it was a long story for us here in America. Obviously, a very different take. That's where you live. When it went down, when it actually, when it happened, that day it happened, you're here. You're thousands of miles away from home. What was, how were you feeling? Uh, well, after the initial initial shock passed, um, I I can I think I can say for every Ukrainian abroad is the first reaction is uh, instinct to go back to Ukraine and be with your families to help them as much as you can. Uh, but after I had extensive conversations with uh, my loved ones in in Ukraine, they kind of told me that there is no real there will be no real use of me in Ukraine because these are just additional expenses. So I say there was no reason for you to come back. Nothing that you can do. Yes, no, okay. correct, correct. Um, so the best idea would be for me to stay here and continue my education um, while they figure out stuff here. And I, I, I kind of started supporting them from here, you know, financially and uh, by uh, talking to newspapers. And uh, yeah, I guess thank you so much for hosting me here. Yeah, uh, this yeah. is one of the things that I'm trying to do, you know. That's, I can't imagine what that's like. I mean, every day. This is a th- there's war in your kid. There's nothing to go back to where you were supposed to go back to school to is not even there in Ukraine anymore. Like and every day you're living with this. Um, yeah. Well, now I have my partner here, so um, we kind of re- reminisce about the old times. You know, we see the pictures of destroyed streets we used to have walks through, and um, you know, her her neighborhood suffered the most. She's from Saltivka neighborhood in Kharkiv, which is probably the closest uh, neighborhood to Russia, if we're talking like inside the city. So it suffered a lot from bombings. Her house received about five rockets while she was in the house, like in the basement. So um, it is pretty scary, but uh, you know, Ukrainians, so it's a regroup. We we are we act as a big family. We support our army, our volunteers, those who are you know dedicating their lives to defending their country, our country, and the doctors who are doing the impossible to save lives of everyone, not just Ukrainian soldiers but Russian soldiers too. Now, if you were over in Ukraine instead of here when it broke out, you wouldn't have been able to leave, or if you had returned, you would have had to stay. Is that right? Yes, that is correct. Uh, All men between 18 and 60 are required to stay inside the country. So those family members and friends that, you know, it sounds like your partner was able to come over and join you here, but are you talking to folks over there who were separated maybe from their partners whose, you know, wives or other partners have left, but the men are, are, you know, still in Ukraine? Yes, definitely. a lot of uh, women, uh, like wives and their children, left the country, uh, and um, in most cases, the, it, it, these were husbands who made them leave the country because they wanted to ensure their safety. I have a lot of, like for example, my godmother, uh, she went to Germany with her, um, with her daughter, and um, uh, my cousin, who is her son, stayed in Kiev, and uh, he is uh, also just like me, you know, spreading the information about uh, real things that are happening here. Uh, our guest is Vlad Sajan here on Wake Up Mid Missouri on 93.9 The Eagle and 104.5 News Radio. KWOS lives in Ukraine. Uh, ideally, came to uh, decided, you know what, I'm going to go to Mizzou. For just one semester, I'm going to go home in uh, in May. This was happening earlier this year, and obviously not a possibility. Now, he's joining us on the show this morning. Vlad, talk to us about what you're hearing from your relatives back in Ukraine about uh, is the power staying on with all the attacks that the, the Russians have done, especially leading into winter. 
Um, unfortunately, the power is not here in most of the time. Some people experience uh, outages for about six or even ten hours a day. Um, especially uh, cities that are closer to Russia are suffering because obviously they're closer to Russia, so they are subjected to more uh, strikes. Um, it is very hard to, um, you know, destroy the drones and missiles when it only takes about a minute for them uh, since their launch time to fly to the de target destination. So um, my relatives, they also experience outages, a lot of outages. Um, they bought some power banks. You know, some people are buying generators to for their work because a lot of people are uh, after the war started. Um, I mean, after the invasion started, uh, they started. They they are now dependent on online work because they were separated from their workplaces. So power is extremely important, and I guess uh, the main reason it is not here is our rocket attacks. So we just need more anti-rocket systems. And what? Because we see, you know, obviously we see the images on on the TV, and we see all these buildings destroyed and stuff. Like your friends and fa like, where do they go? Well, I have um, I have a friend in Mariupol, which, if you remember, is a city that lost about 99% of its infrastructure. It's completely destroyed. And uh, my friend was volunteering in a hospital here, and uh, they were living in just inhumane environment, completely destroyed city, no pure water. Uh, he was responsible for fixing generators. And he just stayed there and was helping people as much as he could. And winter? Uh now and a lot of folks without places to live no power and incidentally and i think this is interesting to show the contrast uh, things that and me too i'm not uh, trying to be preachy here but in the in the columbia area swear to god it seems like there's an inordinate number of power outages it really does we lose power for two or three minutes what happens steph we flip our lids, man. We do. We do. We've lost power for two or three minutes. How can I get on my computer? My phone's not worth this. There's no lights. We freak out. And then, heaven forbid, should it be like 20 or 30 minutes, that's what it's like here in America and in Ukraine right now. Well, what I hear from my relatives and friends, they're saying that they would rather sit without electricity for the whole winter than live with Russia. Mm. Uh, so after all the sufferings and uh, death they brought to our country... Um, no one wants to deal with Russia no more. And uh, even those who were very fanatic about Russia are now absolutely against it. So we would rather sit without electricity and pure water than sit next to Russia. Uh so what about the communication system? We talk about power, but you know, you said you're able to communicate with your loved ones. I, I'm kind of obsessed with Elon Musk, and I know he said he sent satellites, and I heard from some folks that those weren't really in effect. So how has the communication been? Uh, well, speaking of Elon Musk, Starlink has proven to be very effective, especially on the front lines. Uh, so it was very devastating to hear that Elon Musk wanted to discontinue the support because it really made it, played a huge role in uh, helping our soldiers who are at the point zero as we call it, uh, so we're on the, the right on the front line, it really helps them communicate. But um, internet is one of the things that suffers too, and uh, one of the reasons a lot of people are losing their jobs because they can't work. Um, but uh, it, you just have to live with it. Like I mean, I, I wait until my parents have internet back and uh, wait for them to text me back.
All right, Vlad Sajan uh, lives in Ukraine, came to school at Mizzou for one semester, and then his country invaded by Vladimir Putin, incidentally. And this was uh, the reason the timing of the evasion, according to NATO, was because Vladimir Putin saw the weakness of Joe Biden following his sloppy pullout in Afghanistan. That, according to NATO, is why that they then decided um, to invade if you're paying attention to like news from America, and I don't know what kind of news you digest, but do you see things? Some like is there something that uh, uh, Amer- maybe not even the news, but just us as Americans that we're 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 missing about what is happening there, about the reality, whether it's the political aspect, whether it's the power, the winter, no places to live, the resilience of the people. Is there something that we're missing or that you wished we paid more attention to? Uh, That's a very good question. And uh, probably one thing that comes to mind first is that uh, the Western world waits for something terrible to happen and then acts. Um, For example, there was a terrible rocket strike in uh, several cities in Ukraine, which led to hundreds of civilians dying. And only after that, Ukraine started receiving anti-rocket systems. So it's, you know, something happens and then action takes place. Mm -hmm. What if we just prevent this terrible thing from happening and start taking action right when now. When you say we, you mean we as Ukrainians or we as Americans I, I mean, we, more? we as a whole world helping Ukraine. Um, so I, what I'm saying is that we don't have to wait for something terrible to happen in order to pre- to help Ukraine. Like we don't have to wait for another rocket, uh, sorry, uh, for another mall to be blown out, you know, to be uh, exploded. We can prevent it from give, by giving Ukraine needed support like military support is what i'm talking about we had and i can't i cannot remember the name forgive me but stephanie and i earlier this year i think it was over the summer we spoke with a young lady from she lived in fulton but she was from um ukraine she came in and joined us one day uh and she had an interesting um uh, take on things and she said she understood um and again this wheat prices gas prices that's how it's affecting us. This is affecting you very differently. Do you, when you see how Americans react, what's important to them as it relates to the invasion of Ukraine, what's kind of, how do you react when you see these are our concerns as Americans, as a Ukrainian? And, and before you start blowing up our texture here at 874-9390, please understand, getting his story, not trying to uh, open up opportunities for salvos here, just trying to get his story. Here, Vlad's personal take. When you see what Americans complain about as it invades to the region, how, how do you react? Uh, well, I wouldn't want to generalize because still a lot of Americans understand and they choose to live with, you know, higher gas prices because they understand the import- importance of democracy and, uh, you know, another ally in, uh, in Europe, uh, democratic ally. Uh, but when I see people who complain about gas prices and actually relate it to the situation in Ukraine, to the war that was started by Russians, um, I don't know. I j- well, I mean, I can't convince them otherwise it's just their point point of view because if they are at this stage of thinking um i don't know um you know a lot millions of civil lives are at uh, at stake and democracy is at stake this is the biggest war in europe since the second world war and um you know as new york times reported each day in ukraine is a month in afghanistan it is a very serious war 
and it is very important for Ukraine to win it. Uh, can you hang out for a few minutes? I might back off the whole Ukraine thing here for a second and just get your perceptions being from another country, being here in America for a, a short time. Can you hang out for just a few more minutes? Mm-hmm. All right, very cool. We'll continue our conversation with uh, Vlad Sajan. He lives in Ukraine right now. He is going to school here in mid-Missouri, sharing his story, his take, his perception on things, more of his story. Five minutes from now, maybe kind of the oddest, the political stuff aside, just kind of maybe the oddest cultural thing that Vlad noticed when he came to America. We'll do that for you five minutes from now on 93.9 The Eagle and 104.5 News Radio 950. This is Wake Up Mid-Missouri, featuring Brandon Rathert. Yes, Vlad Sajan in the studio here on Wake Up Mid-Missouri. He lives in Ukraine uh, about a year ago, moved to uh, Colombia just for one semester of school. His country, Ukraine, obviously invaded by Russia. He has not been able to uh, go home. Fascinating conversation. Uh, listener Matt via text 874-9390 says, hey, enjoying this interview. Are you going to post it? It will be posted uh, later. But, yeah, it'll it'll be uh Posted interesting, uh, interesting take from a very unique perspective that we don't get to hear very often. Before we let you go, so all the political stuff aside, and I know you studied the United States of America before you 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 came here, but now that you're here, all the seriousness aside, is there something like you come into our culture and you go, huh, that's kind of interesting. Um, yeah, definitely. One of the biggest things that I was very surprised by is the kindness of uh, Midwestern people. I mean, everyone just wants to help you, and this is something that um, I'm not really used to, uh, because people are, I guess, are not uh, as close to each other in Ukraine. But here, you know, living in a small community, because I come from a multi-million uh, population. Of c- a big, c- large yeah, city. Yeah, big, okay. big city, yeah. So being in a small community where everyone wants to help you is something I'm not I'm not used to, and this is definitely something I was really surprised by and uh, something I really, um, I find it very important. How about that? Because yeah, one of the things I hear is, man, y'all eat a lot. <laughs> when, yeah. when, we, when we chat with this, they're shocked at the amount of food that Americans eat. Yeah. Yeah, you agree? Um, I, I eat a lot, too. So. <laughs> John, are we guilty, too? Guilty as charged. Guilty as charged. Yeah. Hey, anytime you get to go to Oscars in Jefferson City, yep, I'm going to eat a lot. Yeah, and b- before I, um, I arrived here at the studio, my father wanted to say a big thank you to every American citizen who supports Ukraine. It's just something that he wanted me to say. So I, I guess I'm saying it right now, and thank you f- uh, for continuing support. Uh, it's, it's interesting to hear uh, your story, and I know if you're listening right now, you know, well, uh, the political stuff aside, the people, the people of Ukraine and how they have. And see, that kind of surprised me, the interesting perception. You talk about how, how kind we are here in mid-Missouri, but we've seen all these stories of the Ukrainians working together and bonding together and fighting like heck against the Russians. I think that's remarkable. So what's next when you talk to your father about going home or returning ever i mean what's the timeline what's that conversation like um it is very complex um because there is no real um certainty in the future so yeah i i don't know maybe i'll get my bachelor's here but we'll see man keep us posted 
All right. Vlad Sanjan lives in Ukraine, uh, living in mid-Missouri, going to school uh, in a state of flux, not knowing what's next in life, man. Keep his post. Hey, Vlad, Dayakuyu. Uh, whoa, that was impressive. Thank you so much. <laughs> Glory to Ukraine. Thank you. Uh, coming up. Hey, there's a name. There's a dude floating around in D.C. yesterday that we hadn't heard from.